Greetings. Hello. Hey, what's up? Not much. What's on your mind? You know, it's that uh, for me a lot. It's you take a couple of days, go on vacation, and things stack up. So uh, it's great to recharge, but trying to get uh, trying to get uh, everything squared away, focused, and uh, back on track. So always, always a bit of a challenge. So that's Did you have on one of those mind. automation email um, things up? No, you know, and I always forget to do it. I, I typically, even when I'm on vacation, I was only gone a, a, a day or two. So, uh, yeah, I, I pretty much triage everything anyway. And if I have to respond to something, then I will. But if I go out of country, then I certainly will. But uh, for the most part, it's, uh, I try to, I, if I have to respond, I will. And how many of those emails, once you get back, are like just delete, spam, ridiculous? Well, that so when I triage everything, I'll do all those right away, and um, and if I if and if I can snooze it, then I'll snooze it and have it reappear in my inbox when I come back, kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I think it's good for people stuff. to refresh. Hundred percent. Yeah, I I think. Maybe and maybe people don't grasp that early on too, but it's like, look, like you need that time off, like, and you really shouldn't be working eighty hours a week because that it, it's like you're just setting yourself up for burnout. Um, and you know, you know, you're not going to be at your best. You know, only a handful of that time a week you're really going to be on your A game anyway. I mean, think about right. athletes, right? An NFL player has to be good for fifteen minutes a week. Cause that's how much a game is actually. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They need to be on their a game that much time. Sure. There's preparation, other things on there, but that's where they need to be prepared for. Obviously other sports is, is higher than that. I just, um, I just read something that said, um, Usain Bolt trained four years for nine seconds. No, it wasn't him. It was someone, I can't remember who oh, it was, right, right, but right. it was someone, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was basically something for a nine second race. And yeah. it's just like, I guess that's a hundred yard dash. And it's just like, yeah, they need to be on their A game that during that exact time. And then some of the preliminary stuff, but like all the other stuff is is kind of like not A plus important stuff. It's right. like maybe B and C. And so I've had that approach for maybe 10 years where it's like, okay, when you need to be on your A game, be on your A game, but don't treat everything like you need to be on your A game. Be yeah. And I think that's kind of like the Allen Iverson mindset. It's like practice, like practice is important, but it's not a game. Talking about practice, not a game. I don't know. What, what, uh, happy to have Hunter Walsh back on the show. He rolled in here almost 100 episodes ago. Isn't that crazy? It's almost, like, two years, almost two years to the day. A little over two years ago. Why aren't you wearing the same shirt? Tim and I are. We <laughs> I feel like you guys wear the same shirt almost every episode. So maybe I was trying, I, I was meant to, that was on my list of things that to kind of follow up that uh, wanted to put out a plus quality work, but definitely yesterday was not <laughs> like an A plus day. So did not make it. So y'all are stuck with a kind of summary festive inspired shirt today. So dressed like up. Just well, it's great to have you back. A lot, a lot has been, uh, a lot has been happening at the, the 757 collab, I, I, you know, it's, I don't even know where to jump in, but I guess I'll just start by saying everything seems to be a lot more, uh, I, I understand it a whole lot better now that I think that uh, there's a conscious effort to like, like everything is 757 collab first. And then there's your, 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 I don't know. What's the words? Branches? Programs, yeah. arms, branches, kind yeah. of the collab umbrella and you got a lot of other spokes that there's yeah. all different analogies that, that that you can use to and we're still working with kind of the easiest most succinct way to communicate it so it's not yeah. 20 minutes into a conversation of a simple question of like hey what do you do and you haven't answered the question well it's interesting it's interesting in the sense of uh, so i guess the first interesting point as I'm, i i didn't even think about this until now that yeah, like a lot of times founders will or companies will create that holding company and then they create the 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 businesses underneath that holding company next where you guys kind of did that opposite. You had uh, angels and then uh, accelerate startup studios. And then it, at some point in there, 
collab was formed. Um, so, it, but then the other part of that is that you can understand like the direct uh, impact or the brand that you guys have just with those different, yeah, the, the, the different areas that you guys have because everyone knows them as, as individual entities. So it's something that as a, a startup, I think like with many people, we grappled and, and still grapple to be completely honest with the best way to and to what degree uh, the collab name should be out in the community versus the resources. And, and uh, initially we thought that the collab would be kind of this internal facing shell entity and component, but quickly realized that actually it makes it easier to just say that and start to try to spend more messaging around really building this narrative around the collab while getting feedback from folks like yourself, founders, all of the actors in the startup community to ultimately see what resonates to them. Because oftentimes what sounds great to you on paper or when you're talking to your friends, you're communicating with someone and clearly that they are looking at you like you are not speaking the same language. So it's an iterative process, but I feel like we're definitely starting to begin firing on all cylinders and getting some recognition around the collab brand and ultimately what that means. Yeah. Confu confusing is what I would say, right? Even as someone who I'm not, I mean, I, I just didn't know all that stuff really. And so it's like, yeah. okay, like collab is the thing. It makes sense now, right? Ford has a bunch of vehicles under them. Toyota, Tesla has a bunch of vehicles under it, right? And these are these are the the model numbers, right? To to add another yeah. layer of complexity to to all this. It's that's really what it is. It's here's the brand. You know, here here's the make. The make is 757 collab and then there's all these other things. And it's confusing, I think, um from before because people probably just from an outside piece, they might have known one angle. They want to, they might've known another area of it. And they didn't realize that actually all those things. Yeah. in your four walls, people get it, but the majority of the well, people I, are not in those four walls. Yeah. Right? They get and it. So, but I, I bet you this, I bet you old habits die hard. I would be willing to bet. Um, the most succinct way that I've gotten is, is <laughs> 757 CoLab is a vertically integrated nonprofit providing place community programming acceleration and capital to early stage growth minded founders still working on it still you definitely there's some jargon in there but um maybe uh, some, some jargon said, but uh no but i mean that's uh all all good uh positive things and i think the other thing too is but Zach, you and I have been around the block a couple of times. Yeah. So we were around when, to see all of these different organizations stand up. So uh, for new founders that you all see, educating them from day one uh, makes it a whole lot easier. So 100%. And we've gotten really good feedback with just a really simple 757 logo and making it really simple. That's pretty unique and different despite an area saturated with 757s because what we found is people ask like, hey, where did you find or I love your shirt? I love your hat. Tell me more about it. And then you have an opportunity because they've kind of invited themselves into the conversation to tell them a little bit about the collab, specifically what resource, whether that's 757 Angels, Accelerate or Studios might be able to help them or ultimately what their superpowers are that could be beneficial to them in their community. Yeah, it's uh you guys got a lot going on. There's, this is, you guys are, you're, you're kicking everything off. Uh, this is like the start of. Our time to show over. Going back to my I, farmer days that you have a finite window in the farming world for your harvest season. And like, that's where the universe has to hopefully perfectly align or at least as close to it. And definitely across the gambit, uh, the fall is a crazier than normal time in very positive ways from a, a programmatic standpoint. We have our 757 Accelerate cohort getting ready to kick off the middle part of next yeah. month. 
we just welcomed 25 new startups and startup studios two weeks ago. And then the angels are getting ready to kick off their third and final investment cycle, which historically uh, by almost twofold is the most active of their three investment cycles all year. So with that, definitely no shortage of work and opportunity. But as I like to say, great problem to have because that means that we have talented rock star entrepreneurs that are opting in, leaning in to our community. So we ultimately have the opportunity to help them. Yeah, because I, I had to pause there because I, I Things have been really busy in this sense uh, from the the Excel by seven accelerate side. I was uh, part of the review committee, reviewing applications, and then I, uh, I I may have bit off more than I can chew by volunteering to, to interview founders for three days. Uh, so I went and did all the the interview process uh, with the founders. Um, so I didn't want to I didn't want to say too much uh, as notifications will go out, uh, I guess, with in the next week. But uh, yeah, 150 applica applicants uh, for 757 Accelerate, which was narrowed down to 29, which will get ultimately narrowed down to seven. Magic seven, lucky number seven. Hmm. So yeah. it is definitely, if you haven't seen it, you know, we should almost do like a behind the scenes video of the Zoom rooms and the breakout sessions and kind of what goes on behind the scenes. And I think just like with everything, everything's more complicated than the average person realizes. And how hard can it be? You have a couple applications to review, you talk to a couple people, you make some decisions, but there is a ton of analytical work and evaluations and graphical representations and talking to people and doing pro cons cost benefit that it is definitely a multi-stepped, multi-tiered, very um, exhaustive review process that every applicant receives to ultimately try to give ourselves uh, the best opportunity to ultimately impact and help the most talented and promising companies that are ready for acceleration. Why should a business trust you guys with their most important asset being time, right? Because I think that's the number one thing that you guys that that they would lose in any of this stuff is is their time right whether driving there being there driving back etc time is the one resource that you never get back why should why should a you know a founder or business trust the 7, 757 collab with their time Super valid question. At times, one of those finite resources that, to your point, you can't get back. And I think that first and foremost, it makes it a little cleaner and easier for founders, us being a nonprofit, that we aren't on your cap table. We're not taking equity in your business, nor are we asking you to pay for anything. We're actually giving you rent-free space in a world-class innovation campus, surrounding you with mentors and subject matter experts to allow you to do more faster. So I think with that, it goes back to kind of the traditional metrics of success that you can point to. Talking about the past track record of performance you have with your portfolio companies, where they are now. And I think also that we can talk as sort of staff and individuals running these programs till we're blue in the face, but it comes and is received very differently when you're able to actually talk to founders that have gone through the program themselves. That testimonial, hearing firsthand that human to human element and how we are able to help with anyone, whether it's at the early stage incubation and startup studios or those companies that are fortunate enough to receive angel investing, hearing them, hopefully the pleasurable experience they had interfacing with our staff and ultimately us delivering on our promise to put all founders first in everything that we do, definitely uh, that we're not going to oversell ourselves, but we can tell you what we can do. We can point to a pretty consistent track record of excellent performance, exceeding expectations. And if that sounds like something you want to be a part of, our doors are always open and we'd love to help. And if not, no harm, no foul. We aren't going anywhere anytime soon and that we are still going to be as supportive as we possibly can, even if we're not formally a part of your startup mentorship network, et cetera. And I think a lot of it, having been doing this for over two years at Startup Studios and the CoLab, you could argue has been in an existence since when the Angel started in 2015, um, that 
we aren't going to be all things to all people. And sometimes that we aren't going to be able to ultimately give you the direct help or handholding that you might need. But we kind of have an internal saying that no founder or entrepreneur reaches out to us without at least an introduction, a referral to another partner in the community or ecosystem that will be able to help them. So, and I think that's been one of the exciting things to see throughout the region in a short amount of time is number one, more density and various offerings to be able to fill some critical gaps while also reminding ourselves that ultimately the entrepreneur is at the center of everything that we do. And if we lose a constant influx of new ideas, fresh faces and new people, that we can have really great spaces, awesome programming, tremendous staff, but ultimately that's when we're in trouble and out of jobs. So I think once again, all credit to the founders and entrepreneurs that are taking the risk um, and that we can only speak to what we are. And ultimately it's their decision at the end of the day, but we certainly hope that they give us a fair chance to see how we might be able to help them. Well said. How's was didn't know if you had a follow on there, Zach, but, uh, you know, I, yeah, founders first, but that's always been my mentality with everyone. Uh, I mean, it's just through and through. You can't, you can't put a that, price on that. Iterate on that, like the power of showing up is something that we really value a ton, that that's one of the consistent questions when we're kind of running through everything that we offer. Like oftentimes one of the greatest questions we get is like, well, this sounds really good. Like what's the catch? And it's, you have to be willing to put in the work and you have to be willing to, if you're given homework, if you're given guidance on things to be able to actually go out and, and do the work yourself, not come back three months later saying that you haven't made progress or you haven't been able to go out and uh, win pitch competitions or get some friends and family money because you haven't been willing to put in the work. So I think that yeah. it definitely is a two-way street there, but certainly first and foremost, that if you had to prioritize working and, and tasking, the founder is always top line. If any founder needs anything, that always gets pushed to the top um, and everything else typically can wait. Yeah, I, I had to learn that the hard way. And, and uh, I, I think the phrase I use more than any is you get out of it what you put into it. Uh, starting when we started Start Peninsula back in 2012, uh, I mean, it's just guaranteed that there was going to be uh, a founder or two that if they didn't win the pitch competition, if you will, that they would leave really ticked off and uh, yeah, throwing shade on the program itself. And it's like, man, you, did, you didn't you didn't put anything into it uh, and therefore you're not getting anything out of it. But the founders that keep at it come back next year or whatever the case is, those are the, you know, the, the, the gritty ones. They're the, they're the ones that are most successful. Didn't we talk to Bo about this the other day about, yeah. so I met him at Start Norfolk. What did he, he said a week before Start Norfolk, yeah. but I, I swear I met him at Start Norfolk, which was, I don't know, the area's first kind of build a company in a weekend, hackathon -y, whatever you want to call these things. Back in 2011, he wasn't picked to win, right? His and there was 10 teams that were trying to win, I don't know, 10, 10 grand or something like that, whatever we gave them. And he didn't do it, but ended up actually becoming one of the more successful businesses within nine months because he just kept showing up with three other guys. And yeah. we, um, they were part of that first hatch cohort, got some more money there. And I don't know, I like to the people that that, that complain about stuff like that or like, oh, I should have won. It's like, Dude, why do you care so much about some stupid little competition anyway? Like this thing means so little to you, like in the grand scheme of things, like, okay, you didn't win start Norfolk. You didn't win some hackathon. You didn't win start peninsula and like, go get some more customers, go do this other thing. That's just like, why are you complaining about that? It's just, it, those people yeah. are always comical to me. Cause just like yeah, this, it doesn't matter. Like, right. It's yeah. tough. 
it, it, it's hard. I think there's a lot of misconceptions and preconceived notions out there for a lot of people, especially first time entrepreneurs that they maybe follow some social influencers or whether it's VCs or successfully exited startups on social media and they get conditioned in their mind that they're not successful unless they win pitch competitions or raise a ton of money as quickly as possible. And, and while that might work for some, that that's definitely not kind of the mentality and method that we try to preach and coach and empower the founders with. And, and ultimately it goes back to what their why is. And we have a saying kind of nose gets you closer to yeses in a society that's conditioned to seek out positive affirmation. If you take that you did not win and just flip the lens that you're looking at it and take advantage. I've sat in on many of the Start Peninsula pitch competitions that you have and almost all the judges offer their time to connect one-on-one -on -one yeah. with the founders to provide feedback. And I would venture to say, having judged them in the past, that there are far fewer of the entrepreneurs take you up on that than you might think. And it's sometimes just by reframing it that you're able to use that as fuel to the fire and ultimately mm -hmm. dream larger and take that constructively instead of kind of wallowing in pity and being down on yourself for a long time or even worst case, stopping the endeavor altogether. And I think that, you know, early stage entrepreneurship, it's not idea one, that's going to be the one it's idea 10, 15, 20. So just by understanding that this is truly a journey um, and, and understanding that sort of time commitment that it takes up front will only help set more founders up for positive outcomes sooner in the process. Well, think about just a standard sales process. Isn't a, there's many businesses that less than 1% conversion rate is a successful, is, is successful, right? So, you reach out to hundred people, maybe one of them will become a customer, right? I mean, do you have the tenacity to actually go and how many people actually have the tenacity to go and reach out to hundred people, but then to hear 99 no's in that situation is, is something that I think it, it is tough for people. So sometimes it, to be frank, it's just like, yeah, like, maybe you were trying to weed some of these people out. Like how serious are you about this? Right. Where it's like, Hey, like if you're not going to do this, like this, we're, we're telling you this because we've seen it. This is what it takes. Yeah. Some businesses, 5% is good. Okay. It's still 95 nails. Like it's, it's going to happen. It's just, you, you, when I asked Damon John that question, you know, what do you say that? normalizing failure like you should expect to fail every day and if you're not then you're probably not trying hard enough at anything that you do i fail every single day and i feel like there's this taboo or stigma about either not talking about it because that shows that you're vulnerable and, and weak or anything like that and as somebody that works with a lot of early stage entrepreneurs i could care less what you're failing at, what is far more important is how you're taking that and what you're doing with it to turn it into actionable items, inching closer to what you're trying to work on. Yeah. I mean, with that, before we get too far away from what you were talking about, Hunter, it, it, one thing that like when I get uh, uh, founder updates on the investor side, like one thing that really, uh, that, that just, it actually it turns me off is like when I when I get a monthly update or quarterly update that says that yeah that they if they want a pitch competition or something it's like dude you've already validated your business I don't want you spending time on that kind of stuff you need to be like generating revenue so the longer you kick the can down the road trying to do those things or oh we just launched a podcast it's just like you know if if I can't see the direct path from podcast to generating revenue for you you're just you're you're delaying what could be the inevitable get out there and sell get to those 99 no's so that we can really get to what matters most and that's generating revenue but it's not as cool <laughs> yeah it's uh and the thing is the reality of it all man i think that uh, one thing i mean and obviously i'm super biased but like start peninsula is designed just that is designed to validate your business idea that's it and even even with that said, you validate your, your business idea, but th at, at best, that's three judges or five judges, depending on what event you're in. That's still only three or five people's opinion 
you, you can still prove those judges wrong. Or if you, you tweak this or pivot or whatever the case is, yeah, I mean, that's still not the end all be all. Um, sure. Definitely has its role, I think, in kind of the community, but I think it can lend itself to at times provide false validation, especially to your point, Tim, if I'm kind of reading in between the lines, like the companies that have won 10 pitch competitions, but when you peel back the layers of the onion, there's not a whole lot actually there that they kind of just jump from applying to one to the other, but aren't using that to actually move their business and idea forward. Um, Zach and and I would call those eventrepreneurs. Right, Zach? I call them a lot of things. That's one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, someone was saying this. There's people who go from accelerator to accelerator now just to get a little bit of capital. I mean, I feel like that's that's the exact same point. Nothing against these people. It's just like, are you really progressing yeah. or are you impressing someone enough to get you in their cohort because they think what you're saying is great, but maybe take some of their feedback every once in a while and get a couple of customers. I think that definitely that we have seen some that have gone through like 10 nope. different versions of accelerators. It's way more than I was thinking. Okay. <laughs> at, at some point, um, you know, if that's been over multiple years like hopefully you've gone through some hard pivots and had to refocus reset but kind of um three is one of the kind of internal rules of of thumb but definitely per requires some additional follow-up questions like what you learned from each of those and how you've taken that information to ultimately be more ready for uh product market fit commercialization or that next set of milestones and a put particular raise that you might be looking at. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense if you, I mean, and this is no dig at 757 Accelerate. It's just, if you were to do 757 Accelerate and then go to Techstars or Launch or something like that, I mean, that's just, that's a logical step. Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, 757 Accelerate, we're, it's very regional. Uh, whereas then if you could take that and go to a national level to gain that exposure, that totally makes sense. And that is, in my opinion, fully justified. But and that's a for the community, absolutely, yeah. to have that type of notoriety and recognition for yeah. a startup that chooses to call the 757 home. Right. Yeah. Going the other way, you know, then it's just like kind of like, yeah, I don't really understand, you know, unless they're looking for some key relationships or, or something like that. But, you know, if you've if you've gone through a nationally recognized accelerator, then uh, yeah, then if you're going There's down the funnel, there's something valuable in a national thing like that. There's cash, cash, that's the word. There's yeah. cash and being like that. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, $20,000, which it is great. I mean, that is not going to, uh, that's not going to change everything. Absolutely. And I mean, to be completely honest, that almost just offsets the expenses that the founder has and travel, lodging, et cetera. They're not going to really move the needle a whole lot. But then again, it's not per se intended to um, always great to get that non-dilutive funding as sure. much of it as you can. So we talked to you 2021, two years ago, roughly you had just taken the gig to do this, a two part question. Why did you take the job and how has it changed over the last two years as to what you thought it was to, to what it is now? Why did I take the job? Um, After learning about what the job was, I knew that I could make a substantial, tangible impact and and move the needle forward. That kind of my why and what fills my cup up is being able to ultimately help people. And there's no shortage of opportunity over the course of any given day to make tremendous impact uh, working with a wide variety of actors throughout the startup community. Um, How it's changed. it has it's it's consistently inconsistent, for lack of a, a better word. That I mean, we're a lean, mean team um, that has tremendous impact. But with that, that we are just like any startup founder um, or startup themselves, change between hats almost. Uh, multiple times throughout an hour, sometimes wearing multiple hats at the same time. So I knew that going into it, that was one of, frankly, the exciting parts that I'm the type of person that doesn't do well and gets bored pretty easily with the monotony of like repetitive tasks and things like that. And that's one of the cool thing with the welcoming 
batches of founders twice a year that like there is no kind of autopilot that you always have to be on performing at a pretty high level all of the time because just as you start to maybe get comfortable with the founders that you're working with you get to meet a whole new group and start all over with brand new ideas different industries different stages and then have to go out and ultimately source programming mentors events etc that hopefully meet them where they are and give them timely, informative feedback and sort of resources to plug into. Yeah, it's just, gosh, I'm just trying to think about how much has happened just in the last two years since you, uh, we've talked to you last on the show. It, um, Your LinkedIn game is on point. You love to promote companies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great to have a lot of companies to promote. And like, sure. if you aren't your, your greatest sort of evangelicist or however you say the word to your startups, then no one is. And I think that across the board still as kind of a growing or emerging community as a whole, um, any sort of promotion helps uh, just get that message out and you never know who's going to see it and reach it. And um, kind of this whole high growth, high tech innovation entrepreneurship is still a really small circle in a foreign language to a lot of people in the greater kind of small business entrepreneurship realm and world. So um, it's at minimum, I think, the least that we can do, but it definitely makes uh, my social game strong uh, when we have great stories and awesome newsworthy information to put out and share. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely takes it takes all of us to uh, to make that happen, because it really I don't think that people understand the average everyday person. I don't think they understand how important they are, uh, even if it's just to become a customer. Uh, yeah, so the more people that can learn about these these founders and what they're doing, I mean, these founders are given they're given everything they have. And uh, the more that we can bring, identify those people, bring them to light uh, so that uh, people give them a shot and uh, yeah, that, that that changes everything. So definitely appreciate all that you have do. a random stranger that calls you on the phone or stops you in the street asking for a few seconds of your time to answer a few questions uh if you have a few seconds to give please answer those questions they are completing customer discovery trying to use that information to help validate their startup so that yeah. doesn't require any money any uh anything like that just a, a few seconds of uh, your time yeah if, if we could create some sort of uh virality from a customer new customer standpoint to support the uh the early stage founders that we have in this region that i mean that my goodness that would be so impactful that'd be really really impactful and i'm curious on your side like one of the challenges that um that i've had whether whether it be the launch pad when that was first getting started williamsburg or with with start wheel uh you know it's everyone was like really helpful ready to show support. Then it's like, once you get going and the, the plane kind of takes off, if you will. Yeah. Then, then, then people kind of back off like, ah, we don't, they, we don't need to support them as much anymore. You know? And I think that that, I find that to be completely the opposite. It's just like, no, we, we still need that continued support. You know, you all are providing that lift to keep this plane up in the air, so to speak. Um, you know, have you found that uh, that you have to reach out to people to continue to uh, ask for that support, or is uh, or, or what is your secret sauce to keep that support continuing? Absolutely, I would argue that that kind of inflection point is actually when you need the support of all of the actors more than ever. And um, certainly with our organization um, undergoing a lot of very exciting changes within the past year, definitely it would have been really easy um, for us to lose a lot of the momentum and get our foot off of the gas. But the exact opposite happened, that, that we really challenge the people that have opted to lean in and support us through the years that now is really when we need you more than ever to lean in, because this is where a lot of startup communities ultimately start to fizzle out when you have that transition of leadership. So it was an exciting kind of pulse test uh, for our spring social uh, that we had in early May on the assembly rooftop um, where we had well over 150 people show up, rocking it out, just supporting all of the wins and the beautiful diversity that our startup community has. And that has only continued, uh, whether it's 
the quality or size of our applicants across all of our resources, whether it's um, seeing numbers on our websites continuing to increase. So definitely um, you have to continue to be your own greatest champion and, and advocate. And as we tell startup founders all the time, the second you become complacent or kind of lose that passion or that fire, that's kind of lit under the seat of your pants, then that's when either things will just fizzle out and stop altogether, or ultimately the founders will lose interest and will go elsewhere, which is the exact opposite of what we're trying to do. And this is, I mean, a long-term multiple decade play, um, and it's not gonna be um, something that we're able to achieve overnight. And to your point, Tim and Zach, that it definitely requires, this is well beyond a 757 thing. This is multiple different people throughout the entire region working in harmony towards common goals, celebrating as many small wins as we can find along the way, hoping that those snowball into some larger, more visible public facing wins um, in due time. Yeah, I, I, I don't know the number and it would be really difficult to uh, define that, but we've had many, many whether for startup studio companies or accelerate companies uh, on the show over the past few years, and, and all of them, they all—I mean, all of them—speak very, very highly of the programming that Seven Five Seven Collab has. Well, I appreciate it that, I mean, we are always looking for feedback, that we are, are always iterating and tweaking our model to make sure our value proposition aligns with the ever-changing needs of our target audience, which is early stage growth-minded entrepreneurs. And what was relevant and worked last year isn't going to be as effective this year. And that's why we're continuing and we'll continue to try things. And if it works, awesome. And if it doesn't work, so we're going to figure out why and see ultimately how we can continue to to keep this momentum and the drumbeat going. So 10 years from now, the 757 startup community is one of the most founder friendly on the East Coast. Yeah, I mean, that said, granted, going back to what we talked about, the, the people that lean in, the people that take advantage of opportunities, they're the ones that are doing the show. You know, they're so, yeah, they're taking advantage of what you offer, they're taking advantage of what we offer. And, and, and as a result, they, uh, they, they get a great experience and, and they see the successes that we all want them to see. But Question is for all the folks that we see, how many have we not been able to reach yet? And imagine the collective impact if we are able to incentivize and find ways to reach them, then what would that look like? Yeah. Well, yeah. We, so you, you just invited your new cohort of uh, into, uh, startup studios. So we look forward to some recommendations from you, Hunter, of uh, who we can have on the show. We always invite uh, the folks from Startup Studios. And then once the announcement's made on the Accelerate side, uh, to have them as well, because we really enjoy giving them the uh, the long form conversation and platform to, to showcase what they have going on. Absolutely. They love it. And, you know, Lean Startup 101, that this is completely free, just takes a little bit of your time. So say yes to as many opportunities as you can, especially in the early days um, there. So happy to have seen so many people opt in and, and choose to participate on that. I've enjoyed watching and listening to them probably just as much as y'all have interviewing them. As we're on the topic of press, media, content, I think historically people would look at your traditional newspapers, maybe digital uh, publications, uh, your TV stations, things like that as, as the place, as the big place to get a bit, a bunch of pub. When people are in the, in the studios, part of the, the collab, where do you tell them to like, what, what, what's the, what's the place for them to get the, the biggest bang for the buck? What, what's the strategy for them to, to get some of that more mass appeal, uh, some more eyeballs at them rather than ones and twosies, like the person down the street from a customer discovery thing. Like, like what is the way that people now are, are finding, um, more, more press? I don't think it's a one size fits all answer. I, I think it obviously depends on a lot of factors, industry, what their resource constraints are, whether they have marketing spend or not. 
I don't think it's any secret, the continued rise of short form video and reels and with the uh, declining attention span of many of us, uh, how receptive that is. But I think ultimately um, it starts with understanding and taking the time to get to know that particular startup, the founding team, what they have done, and then you can suggest things that may work. Social media is still gonna give you the greatest bang for your buck. Um, second to referrals. Referrals and word of mouth still in the early days is a great way to validate and bootstrap without doing anything. And the amount of analytics and numbers you can get from just posting a single post throughout Meta is absolutely crazy. And they're continuing to add incredible metrics and their other platforms that you can overlay with that to really get granular and geek out in the data there. So I wish I could say it was a linear plug and chug that if you plug a few inputs in an equation or an AI model suggests with 90% probability, this is what you have to do, but it's trial and error, run those mini experiments, test a few different hypotheses see, see what works, see what doesn't, double down on the wins. And that helps with number one, first and foremost, understanding who the customer is you're trying to target and reach. Um, that if you don't know who you're selling to, it's going to be very difficult that you're kind of fishing in the water without knowing what you're trying to catch. And uh, that's when, to the surprise of few, uh, when you don't see necessarily as positive of outcomes as perhaps you're hoping for. I mean, I think that's it. It's you got to do a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Nothing will, you know, the, the thing that will increase your chances of virality is uh, not overthinking and making sure you have a grammatical mistake that you can't edit out. One, you know, if you, if you misspell a word or something, you know, the likelihood of that going viral is way higher because it's just like, what do you do at that point? You can't delete it and take it down when it's gone to, when it's doing its thing. At least that's, that's my experience. It's like, gosh. Of all things to take off. <laughs> I don't care about those things, but <laughs> I don't know. You, Tim, I, you, I spelled your, you spelled your name wrong today. Well, it's not, that that I know is not true. That Tim's. If I did, then it's been wrong for the last uh, hundred and sixty something episodes. Are we but, really making you laugh, Hunter? Oh, I'm always smiling, man. I just knocked over the table here. Thank goodness I chose not to bring the coffee up with me. If not, I would have a beautiful stain on my shirt and pants. So, how, wait, how late can you drink coffee? Wow. I'm kind of, I, I guess I really don't have a tolerance. So that's kind of like my like de facto yeah. go-to black coffee on, on ice to kind of power you through the whole day. <laughs> wait, are you the same, Tim? Yeah, dude. I mean, like, I can drink a coffee and then go take a nap. I mean, it's just, uh, yeah, it doesn't bother me. Oh, man. I'm like, me, 12 is the latest. 11 is <laughs> where I try to stop. Um, and I'm actually, I am somewhat trying to maybe even eliminate coffee out of my life. Yeah. I've gotten it, I've gotten it down to two cups a day. Some That's days I, I can do, some days I can do one. Well, this time last year, it was 12 cups. Wow. So the fact, I, mean, I feel legit. like y'all are always trying like new cool things. Have, have you guys tried or experimented like that? And I'm going to butcher it, but like the mushroom extract coffee things that are. No, I see. I, yeah. I'm a black coffee kind of guy, man. I, uh, but you know, Rogan drinks that, uh, that coffee. I can't remember the name. Of it, I, I've but, heard uh, pretty positive things about like the mental clarity that you get yeah. from a single serving and people that were drinking obscene amounts now just have like that one small eight ounce cup pour over whatever do it right and uh swear by it but well, i there, have tried i mean there's a lot of things with caffeine so like a lot of people will want to drink a coffee as soon as they wake up that apparently is really not smart like it takes you at least an hour to actually get those whatever functions in your brain working to do that. So if you put coffee in, you're actually not doing anything. So they say like, do something else for an hour first, then go to coffee. That's when the coffee will actually work. Um, I've never had the mushroom thing. I'll try it. Um, and when we have you on again in two years, I'll let you know how it was. Um, what do they have like little packets? Do I have to buy a whole thing? Like how, how does that work? What are, what are they selling? 
couldn't tell you. Maybe Amazon or uh, Siri. That might be a good prompt. Or uh, you could ask ChatGPT. And uh... yeah, but you know, I, yeah, I suppose it's probably older than 2021. But uh, I'm sure. Hopefully, Andrew is uh, feverishly uh, clicking away behind the scenes, trying to. Uh, find so is it like up. mushrooms? Like. It's like dried ground up mushrooms. Frowned, I think they're frowned upon mushrooms. No, 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 no. It's uh, it is a uh, yeah, some sort of super superfood kind of thing that they put in the coffee and uh, mushrooms are now a superfood. A lot of positive benefits. Some some new emerging research, supposedly. I mean, it's a supplement. That's it. So four is four sigmatic. Oh, okay. Well, that, that was the company I was thinking of. Okay. So, yeah, that's yeah, that's the same. Okay, and so actually, someone gave me one of those packets a long time ago, and I was too afraid to try it, so I never did. So now you're responsible for the, the for the shroom boom hmm. when it comes to medicinal mushrooms. What do you? Why do you think stuff like that is just so popular? Either of you, like, well, like, I, like the, I, the retail I think focused that, stuff that's just like hacking of the world like i just, think that they're 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 branding geniuses i mm -hmm. for one uh i mean just like and we had mentioned this on the show before uh several weeks ago but uh the interview with with when you hear the founder of uh, uh liquid death i mean he's just a branding marketing monster so i mean that that's kind of the same deal i mean it's just you, you put water in an aluminum can you know it's like what investor would have said yeah that that's totally i'm going all in on Water and aluminum can. As opposed yeah, it's to disgusting. <laughs> well, it's disgustingly expensive, but uh, I think uh, yeah. you have Joe Rogan is a yeah. promoter of that very loyal following, just like Oprah when she had her book club. Okay, but that's because that's just money. I mean, Joe Rogan's only saying that because they're throwing dollars at him, just like AG One and all those uh, you know athletic greens and things like that. That's just like they have a huge marketing spend. That's true. Yeah. I mean, it's just, man, yeah, people that have their platform. I mean, Mr. Beast is, uh, you know, I mean, he's just, that's just crazy, man, what he's able to do. Sure. I, I have more power I, to the people. I'm not bashing them. I'm just saying, like, it's, yeah, most people don't have a crazy budget like that. I mean, how much, right. how much of, I think Athletic Greens, for example, cost 100 bucks a month, right? So exactly. how much of that is at, you know, is that 20 bucks in marketing per person a month? Is it that expensive? I mean, it's, there's a huge piece of that in there. Yeah. I, I mean, this, and that really kind of takes things full circle in the sense of, uh, yeah, who's got the money for that kind of a, of a marketing spend. Whereas like all of us work together in this small community to help promote one another. Yeah. You know, I mean, we, we, we have to, that, that virality effect to uh, help them be discoverable needs to happen within all of us in our community. And, and that's where I think that, that that's the one thing that we're missing in this community is to really, really celebrate each other's wins and, and promote one another to the, the fullest extent possible. Just my take. I mean, like, no, uh, like it's a hell of a lot cheaper. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, you know, like, I mean, like everyone, you know, they, Crunchy Hydration as, as, as a company that comes to mind that, uh, I mean, you know, they're doing a lot to get their to get to get their name out there and to continue to get shelf space. Uh, you know, and, and I think that we can be a positive uh, influence to help them on their journey. The consumer product good spaces, I think, a little easier for that to happen. And I think to give credit where credit's due that I know that Megan and Kim are actually pounding on doors, actually going door to door. If you actually hear the story of how they were able to get in as many Whole Foods and, and Kroger's as they have, it's store to store, understanding and finding out who to talk to, giving samples, all of that. So you see sometimes right. the success, but it, it's a lot of work behind the scenes. And once again, kind of going full circle, a lot of no's. Um, right. along but the way, one, but, actually well, showing up when when you see them on the shelf. Uh, you know, I mean, like if we tell a friend and they tell a friend and they're like, "Yeah, I heard about this." Yeah, you know, hey, let me buy this and try this thing out. Uh, you know, it goes a long, long way. And I, I'm proud of myself for not singing Ario Speedwagon while doing that. Well, I heard, it from, I heard it from a friend who heard it from a friend who. 
Um, I don't know what he's saying either, Hunter. Um, so we're showing the age. It's all right. No. Knocking on those doors. Um, okay. Uh, transition um, from Tim's inability to <laughs> sing a song. On I'm the all show. sung out. You're all sung out, yes. Mm-hmm. So 20, 20, how many uh, people are coming into the studio, you say? How many new businesses? Five. 25. And 25. so you guys talked about um, Accelerate having 150 applications. Like how, how many companies are trying to come into the studios? Like what's the, what's that high number on there? Or is it a pretty uh, big so success Our application rate? funnels right around typically about 100. Okay. Uh, so um, we have since uh, as we continue to iterate, um <clears throat> Every company that meets the minimum criteria, which is on our website, we're not hiding anything there. Um, we invite to start onboarding with us. If you complete super light onboarding, literally will take probably less than 10 hours. Um, you are then guaranteed acceptance and admittance into the program. So that's something new that we tried. Once again, trying to lead by example, reduce obstacles and barriers there. So um, it's literally if you um, meet the minimum criteria, do a little bit of work, you are officially a part of the program and, and can start taking advantage of everything that we have to offer to try to help you and empower you to add more tools to your tool chest. Is there one, What? what is there any, any, one or two, three qualities in a founder in a in an early stage company that that stands out as being, yep, they check the boxes exactly what we're looking for. Um, any of those stand out to you? I think it's similar to early stage investing. And while we don't nearly have kind of the exhaustive multi-step vetting process that our accelerator and angels programs have that definitely success leaves clues and that there are some positive trends. One, just an absolute tenacity and hunger to learn. Um, it really helps to have a pretty high emotional intelligence and to understand what your strengths are, but also where you're weak in and proactively seek out either mentors or team members that you can connect with to help supplement those weaknesses. Um, and then if I had to say anything, again, to just continue to repeat myself, just showing up that our most consistent or successful sort of startups, if you will, are the ones that consistently show up at events. They pop in, they come unannounced, they, when they RSVP yes to an event, they show up. Um, so showing up, definitely just a, a tenacity and grit to find a way to make what seems like the impossible possible. And ultimately just uh, consistently being aware of what you're strong in and where your weaknesses are, are kind of high level, some clues to success that I think are applicable, whether you're an entrepreneur or just trying to kind of improve professionally and personally. Yeah, the uh, the importance of showing up. I mean, I, I don't know what is the uh, the phrase. Ninety percent of life is showing up. I mean, it's just uh, I don't know. I, I that's prioritize the one thing a lot. That you can't make someone do, um, and, and that's why definitely like attitude is is so that if you have a great attitude and, and a desire and hunger and willingness to learn. You can get coached up in almost everything, but it's very, very difficult to change an attitude or somebody that doesn't think they need help or have all of the answers. Especially in the, the life cycle of just our lives now, of, of how we live in this immediate society where you post something online, you get this dopamine effect when someone likes it. Then when you start a business, you expect that same kind of immediacy aspect of it. Like I want, I, I could literally in the next five minutes, order something on Amazon while still on the show and probably get it by the time we sign off, which is in five minutes. I know that's a little facetious. It's not that quickly, but when we started the show, I probably could have gotten it delivered. And so it's like, we live in this immediacy world, but yet as a founder, as a business owner, as someone who's working for a startup, it's, it's typically not that quick. It, is that something that you guys have to explain to people? Uh, and, and, and even to go deeper into that, Hunter, it's like you mentioned how before there's a ton of founders out there that 
might see this video and they think that this is what success is and 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 when they don't win something it's it's a failure and and they're losing or whatever like how do you teach that how do you get people to to resonate with oh, okay like this isn't this isn't something like me posting on Instagram and immediately getting 15 likes 15,000 likes whatever is this is a harder game than that how do you how do you coach people to do that how do you teach people that we bring in founders that are a stage or two ahead of where our current founders in that particular example, startup studios are, so they can hear firsthand kind of pains and gains and, and when they thought that they would have to close the doors or kind of that point of inflection and that fork in the road that if they would have chosen the wrong path, then they would have run out of revenue and had to close up shop. Um, what we found is that typically messages that are communicated from founder to founder are received much more openly and actually received and processed through the brain than having someone else come in. Um, in addition to that, we supplement and have rock stars like Tim and others come in, talk about some of like the higher level common mistakes or misconceptions that they see um, in kind of a startup in the early days. So you can hopefully learn from the past so you don't make the same mistakes that they do. But I would say that at least a third um, of kind of the programming that we do is very much on kind of the mental aspect, not directly teaching them legal, finance, accounting, go-to-market strategy, sales, but just really setting their mind up for appropriate expectations and ultimately kind of what the, the roadmap looks like if you are fortunate enough to continue on and pass through some critical thresholds and validation points in the process. Yeah, I think I'll be there on uh, the 19th doing a talk. I look forward to doing that. I always, it's Looking always fun. to it that you had our uh, highest uh, attended internal programming event ever when you came last year. So wow. I am uh, in, encouraging a, a new record be set. So no pressure to any of the founders that will be listening <laughs> wow. to this. Wow. Hey, and in yeah, two really, years, we'll let you know if you got the record or not, Tim. I mean, yeah, I, I, and it's, yeah, you got, uh, you guys have fun events. The, uh, the the rooftop party you had, the uh, the Cinco de Mayo rooftop party, that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that. We're doing the same thing. Haven't released it yet, but uh, October 16th, we're doing our fall social Halloween theme on the rooftop. It's going to be just as fun. So we did the Cinco de Mayo theme in the springtime, and we got our calendars aligned there. So would love to pack assembly and the house to simply just celebrate entrepreneurship and all of the wins that we've had over the last year what are you going to be for halloween tim dude halloween is so far away man i uh i'm gonna be hunter i'm gonna wear a hawaiian shirt <laughs> we're gonna to have to get a head uh in enhancement that your head is way too small to be able to pass for me so well i'll get a mask i'll figure out something what, what's your uh you guys have a lot of different events what's your favorite event that you that you all host there Selfishly, uh, I would definitely say the socials that we do. So the spring and the fall social, just because I feel like that it's almost uh, event fatigue or programming fatigue, like always having to learn something mm -hmm. or listen, but just to literally have something with no agenda where the only point is to just connect with like-minded people is really refreshing. And clearly the people really resonate and respond well to that. So yeah. Uh, it's something that we continue to do. I always like the sort of unplanned, spontaneous riffs and one-offs that happen when it's just a random Friday afternoon when not too many people are around and you just start talking to somebody and somebody pops in. And then before you know it, like they're mapping out, we got the whiteboard and are saying like, this is what you need to do. And have you thought of this? Like those are almost the most fun. And I think it's because it's just organic and natural and like just to see the enthusiasm and excitement of like this 
model, which two years ago when like I was first on, like it was on paper, it sounded good. It, it like looked good and, and we thought it would work. I said it would, but like now we actually have some data points to like, this is working and we know where our gaps are and are proactively going out to try to solve for that. So we can ultimately uh, provide and kind of be that one-stop shop for growth-minded entrepreneurs in the 757 and beyond to plug in with. There was a lot of energy there in November when Pharrell had Mighty Dream. It, is it possible? I, Tim's going to be mad at me for this statement. But he has a BHAG and, you know, his, you know, he, he wants big, hairy, audacious goals. And he's, he, you know, he wants the region to really look at stuff like that. And I don't disagree with that. But the Mighty Dream Forum had a lot of activity, a lot of energy, a lot of positivity. Um, and Tim was there like the entire time. I was not. But for the small amount of time that I was there, there was definitely an energy there that I had never seen in downtown Norfolk. And obviously, I've been in downtown Norfolk a, a long time. Is that kind of energy possible to create on a daily basis? Is that style of something that much activity? Is that is that a one-off thing, a once-a-year type of thing, or is that something like that? Is that something that this area that that that, that downtown Norfolk can can really have as a everyday type of thing? Realistically, realistic. Great question. To clarify, like to have the amount of people from outside of the region come in. I'm not to, saying have a conference there every day. I'm not saying have a, a big tent up there like it's a circus, you know, because that's what they brought in. They brought in that the, the big tents and everything. But having that kind of energy there, I, I, I mean, that's a that had a big city vibe to it. There was a lot of activity. There was a lot of excitement around that. Is something like that like do you guys have conversations like that like this is this is our 20 this is our BHAG is to have something that's exciting all the time maybe it is a conference every week that's that crazy like it is something like that i don't know the answer to that but what i can say is that i think the more that we stop comparing ourselves to other regions and trying to oh, mimic yeah. and see you know this worked in silicon valley or austin so let's just repeat south by southwest here that typically doesn't work. It sounds, wow, it gets people jazzed up, but it doesn't have the legs to su sustain. Not typically. It. it never works because what worked there won't work at your place because yeah. you're not using I mean, it's just, it's, but, it's but, funny. But, but the energy, I mean, Pharrell is a local guy, right? So that energy was there. I wasn't even thinking about the people that were coming from the outside. I was just thinking of like, wow, like from place to place to place, there is this energy. Like you don't always well, have that there. Never see it. I, I mean, I saw, I mean, I'll jump in uh, real quick, Hunter. I think that we can. Uh, so I, we have Mighty Dream that happens in November, and then we have something in the water that's in April. So those are two things that we have right there. And now if you take something the other two opposite quarters, so if we just have something once a quarter, and then we, then we, we continue to add on to those things, then I, I definitely think it's possible. Uh, but I think the Hunter, I think that you're 100% right in the sense of, we, we have to stop trying to be everyone else. And I, I just had this conversation with my wife. Uh, so as I mentioned earlier, um, had a couple days off. Uh, so we're in Charleston for a night. Um, but then a couple of weeks ago, we, were, uh, we went to, um, where did we go? Um, Charlotte. We we're in Charlotte. Uh, and we were in, six months ago, we were in Asheville and it was like one of the things that just while I was running in uh, Charleston, it's just, it just dawned on me that it's like every single one of those places are their own place, Unique. you know, and they they embrace themselves. And that's one of the things we need to embrace ourselves as a community and stop trying to be whatever everyone else is. I mean, and, and we have to embrace those unique things that we have. I mean, and, and, and what, until we do that, it's, it's going to be a slow, slow ride to wherever we're going. Totally agree. We need to get comfortable and give ourselves permission to really just embrace and amplify the strengths of what this region is instead of trying to 
put a round peg in a square hole and try to be something that we're not. And, you know, let's just be the greatest version of ourselves that we can be and have that an organic grassroots bottom up mentality instead of having people telling us this is what we want or this is what we need there. Um, because in my experience, that uh, hasn't worked as effectively as perhaps some people thought it might. Um, and we can only control what we can control. So I think to yeah. your point, Zach, to kind of answer your question, like that type of energy, that type of diversity, getting the creatives, getting the, the arts, the music, all of that, the foods and have a hyper local theme to it. Um, it's happening at a small scale, but I think definitely it makes more people excited when you see it at scale. When you see thousands of people there, it definitely gives some credibility or it makes people feel good that you have people traveling from all over talking about how cool in this particular case downtown Norfolk is with Mighty Dream. Yeah, and to that point, I think to round out that conversation, we have to embrace ourselves and not not afraid to be a fail or not afraid to fail. I mean, so I think a lot of times until we can get that perfect plan that is going to replicate Nashville uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just, we just got, we have to embrace ourselves and not be afraid to fail. I mean, it's just, and, and focus, uh, focus on who's there and, and not those who are not. Um, but I think, I think as the innovation community, like why not us lead the charge and, and be that, that roadmap of, you know what, we, we might fail, but we're going to fail forward. We're going to fail fast. And it's not going to be because of lack of trying. Well, I, and I always appreciate all of your support, Hunter. I mean, it, uh, I, I really, I, I truly appreciate the support that, that you give me and you're always there. I can count on you. So I, I appreciate that. It's a team sport. Show sure enough. Well, <laughs> well normally, I, normally I end with What's something we haven't talked about that you want to talk about? But I thought that other question was a pretty good ender, too. So is there anything else you want to talk about that we haven't talked about? For anybody that's curious to understand or get to know kind of what this kind of new age, high tech, high growth innovation startup community looks like, follow Innovate Hampton Roads, follow any of the 757 collab channels on social that we push out weekly free events that are open to the general public show up find out um what it's about could be vulnerable introduce yourself to a couple of folks um if you have any questions i know that this can feel like word salad connect with me on linkedin hunter walsh happy to make time and connect with you get to know you and see ultimately how we might be able to help you and plug you in with some of the awesome resources that we have throughout the region to help all types of entrepreneurs and, and I think that you know, just to add on that, we, we do our very best to share all those events on uh, the Innovate Hampton Road slash Start Wheel channels. Uh, and I, I, I suspect that you're going to that folks will see a whole lot more of that in the future. But, yeah, definitely, because this is a team sport. We all have to have to promote one another. And we're always happy to promote you all and uh, everything that you're doing. All right. Hunter, appreciate your time. Thanks, Thank you. Too. See you in two years.